0: Miracy. Hi, it's Danny, one of your hosts for CourseLab, and I'm here with a special episode. You listen to CourseLab because you care about making online courses that are impactful for your students and successful for you. My co-host Abe and I appreciate the opportunity to really dive into the design of a course to help you take away what's most relevant for your own course. Now, we know that it's hard to separate out the actual work of building the course from the broader work of being the entrepreneur behind the course business. And that's why we thought you might be interested in a brand new show that just joined the MiraCFM Podcast Network. It's called The Self-Awakened Lifestyle, and it's hosted by my colleague Esko Wilson, who is a lifestyle designer and performance coach. Esko's early life of crime and redemption sounds like a movie. In the podcast, he brings all of that hard-earned wisdom to bear as he guides his guests through a difficult issue or challenge. Then, through the mind-body-spirit connection, they expand what's possible. To give you a taste of it, we're running an episode from that show right here in the Course Lab feed. I chose this particular episode because Esko and his guest Ed explore the structure and design of Ed's anxiety and negative thinking in order to create healthier patterns of thought. But as always on The self awakened Lifestyle, if the guest isn't understanding, the universe steps in. Enjoy.
1: What does it say if the stories I'm telling myself most of the day, like from the second my eyes open to the second they close, are not exactly (laughs) rom-coms?
2: Hire a different writer. I am Esco Wilson, and this is The Self-Awakened Lifestyle. I'm a lifestyle designer and performance coach. I've helped hundreds of professionals learn how to tap into the power of their innate potential and thrive on a whole new level. I've seen lives change, I've seen my life change, and I want to help more people. That's what this podcast is all about, bringing my own experience together with scientific principles and holistic practices to help listeners enhance their personal and professional performance. In each episode, I guide my guests through a difficult issue or challenge, and through the mind-body-spirit connection, we will expand what's possible. I remember when 9-11 happened and at the time I am full-fledged all the way invested in being a drug dealer it's Saturday September 15th and I'm coming from New Jersey trying to make my way into the city and I'm convincing myself I am going to do whatever it takes to pick up my next shipment of drugs I make my way through this is military The, the bridges are shut down And I'm going to drive through bridge tunnels, martial law, military, guns out. I'm driving right through. I am not going to be stopped. I'm saying it this way because the power of words just vibrating in my mind. I'm not going to be stopped. So I picked up my shipment. I am going to Philadelphia. I handle my business in Philly. I make my way back to Trenton, New Jersey. I handle some business in Trenton, New Jersey. My next move. Sunday morning, driving to Toledo. I'm bringing my girls with me. So I have two girls that I hang out with. I'm bringing them with me. I'm driving as fast as I need to drive because I'm going to get to Toledo. I'm going to handle my business. I'm going to enjoy myself with my friends. I'm on Highway 76. I get pulled over for speeding. This cop knows nothing about me. He doesn't suspect anything. This is the narrative in my head. I am going to get away with this. This is not an issue. The cop says, all right, you're free to go. Yeah. See, Esco, I told you. You got this. Five seconds later, maybe less. No, hold on. Stop. I said, what's up? Step out the car. All right. Esco, you're fine. No big deal. I step out the car. Come to the back. He's asking me questions. I'm so convinced that I'm going to get away with this. I'm not even trying to defend myself against which was essentially an illegal search and seizure. But I'm like, I got this. I can't be stopped. Up until the point that he went into the trunk and pulled the drugs out of a bag in the trunk of my car. Up until that point, I was still convinced in my mind that I'm going to be driving very soon away from this situation. I was totally convinced. He opened up the bag. I said he won't find it in my head. He's not going to find it. That's the power of internal narrative. Once he found it, he looked at me he's like, like, what you doing? Like, what? like, he almost looked disappointed. I realized I was caught. And then the narrative in that very second switched to this is absolutely perfect. Now I'm really going to show them what I'm made of. <laughs> the power of words. Little did I know I would have these type of opportunities to really show people what I'm made of. My guest today is Ed, and we brought him on the show today because he's a very, very smart guy. He actually embraces deliberate practice. He loves yoga. He loves personal development. But he's so smart, he can talk himself out of a truly powerful, embodied experience that could heal him, that can support him. He'll intellectualize. He'll talk his way out of it because of a lack of trust of what the body is telling him. And like many of us, it's very, very hard to trust the wisdom of the body. So let's see what we can do about that. Welcome to the show, Ed. It's very nice to have you here.
1: go. thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here.
2: Tell me about your experience with me in the studio.
1: I think we just have real conversations. You know, I get in there pretty early in the morning, so I don't have time to get my guard up. And you just... <laughs> I walk through the door at 6.35 and we just have, I think, authentic, genuine conversation. I'm always excited to see, is it going to be a green day? We have some kind of low red, like low orange light on. Sometimes I think you can get purple in there and that sets the tone. And it's nice at that time of day. It's not like fluorescence, you know, it's, it meets you where you are. Why yoga? I have some physical issues that yoga gives me a particular set of tools to kind of address right but also yoga is breathing and i need breathing to be more part of my life
2: you need breathing to be a part of your life why
1: obviously everyone needs to breathe but i'm saying yoga has helped me learn the importance of breathing whether i'm practicing yoga or not because otherwise i get very tense and very anxious I get anxious when I underperform. I get anxious worrying about underperforming, and I get stuck in a, in a negative feedback loop. Then, right? Because then that drives my heart rate up. I'm not breathing as well, and then I get less clarity in what I'm doing, and that drives underperformance. You know what I mean?
2: So let's take a pause because you know what you're talking about for your experience. Okay. Now we started with the word need. Need to breathe a certain kind of way. And now I'm hearing, I have a narrative about underperforming. My body starts to react in a certain way. And that's where breathing could really benefit me. That's what I'm hearing. Is that not what I'm hearing? Or or what are you saying?
1: I guess what I struggle with in all of this is like, how do I separate the feeling from the narrative? Right. To me, narratives is how I, you know, make sense of the world around me. Right. And I realize there's value in not jumping to do that, but even that is tough for me to do. And I think maybe it's one of the reasons I'm trying to follow you down this path.
2: Awesome. If you're following me down the path, then I'm acknowledging all my narratives. I listen to them. And then I recognize I'm the one who's creating those narratives. It's not some voice external. This is my opinion. It's not some voice external, you know, trying to dictate my next decision. It's me feeling a way, a certain kind of way, and then labeling it. And that label has a whole script attached to it. And then I start reading from the script, but that's me. I wrote the script and now I'm the executive producer saying, all right, you're up.
1: You wrote the script. Once you acknowledge that, what does that help you to do?
2: I'm pausing on purpose. I'm still pausing on purpose. You're very educated. You're super educated. You're super smart.
1: I mean, are you you giving me a hint here? uh,
2: Go back to your question. Let's take a step back. See it. Take a step back. You're the executive producer. So take a step back. What was your question?
1: What is it about recognizing that you're you're writing this story in your head? What does that allow you to do? Allows you to pause? Allows you to not identify with the story?
2: Allow yourself to be the writer pause take a pause as you're writing this story look at it how do you feel about the story that you're writing in the moment pause and wait i'm writing curriculum i'll put the curriculum down i will not write curriculum from a tense body i won't do that to me that's spilling tension into the curriculum
1: so it's not that you're trying it's not that you're trying to not tell the story it's just to realize that you're writing it when you're doing it
2: so You said, it's not just that I want to recognize that I'm writing this story. I want to do what?
1: Well, choose to write it in a certain way.
2: Why? Why would I choose to write it in a certain way?
1: Because you're in control of it, I suppose. I mean, that's not my instinct. My instinct- Oh, you're
2: going, you're, you're leaving. You're leaving the formula. We're not finished. You're writing this story a certain way. I asked you why. Who's the audience? What kind of story do you want to read? What kind of movie do you want to watch? I mean, you, how do, it's, it's a tough question to answer. Ooh, I mean, it's easy to answer. A tough, stop, the stop, 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 stop. Yeah, you're smart and you're rationalizing and you're intellectualizing and you're weaving together muck. It's easy. It's artwork. It's a spider's web. It's beautiful. It's organized. It's simple. You are watching a movie. What kind of movie do you want to watch?
1: You're just asking me personally, what do I like? I like to laugh. I like to cry. I like a good romantic comedy. That's what I like.
2: Beautiful. Now, as the audience member of a beautiful romantic comedy, who also happens to be the person who's writing this beautiful romantic comedy, why is it important that you write the way you want to write? Write the story you want to create?
1: So you can, so you're self-actualizing. You're, uh... I mean, I would imagine that's how you flourish, right?
2: There's something inside you that's fighting some, this obvious truth.
3: I lost him. Yeah. Wow. That was an amazing moment
2: to lose him. There's something universal. Yeah.
3: You know, Esco, the universe is loving putting this show together for you.
2: <laughs> I agree.
1: Hey, sorry, I got kicked out. I don't know what happened. I didn't touch anything.
3: (laughs) We were just appreciating it.
1: You didn't do anything? I swear to God, my phone was on my lap and it just, the app went back to my home screen.
2: Great. So, perfect. Before I chime in, we're still good, Cynthia?
3: Yeah, let's be on the safe side. So I'm just going to stop and we'll start again.
2: Okay, great. So, what just happened?
1: I feel like I'm at the doorstep, but I'm not quite getting it, you know?
2: Okay. Now, you're at the doorstep. You're not quite getting it. And my comment to you is that there's something inside of you that's not allowing you to see this universal truth. Yeah. Is that not what I just said? It is. And then what happened?
1: Yeah, I literally got kicked off the show.
2: I love these type of stories. On my podcast show, Amazing Things Happen. So I told you, Ed... There's something inside of you that's not allowing you to see this universal truth. Less than 10 seconds later, you get booted out the show. Mysteriously.
1: Yeah. Are you suggesting that I wanted it? I wanted to get kicked out?
2: (laughs) Oh, now. Now you're going beyond what I saw. Exactly. Yes. So now, there's something inside of you that is forcing you to see this universal truth.
1: Oh, I see. I guess it's that... uh something about me shutting down in a way that almost manifested by literally shutting down the show. Uh, I just, it's that last piece that's getting me. Like, I'm not sure what it is about me writing my own story. Doesn't quite jive with how you see it. You know what I mean?
3: No, I don't know what you mean.
1: I guess I'm just, you've lost me a bit and uh, I'm trying to get back with you.
3: Okay, cool. So you get booted off the show.
1: Yeah.
2: We bring you back on.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay? I'm telling you a story about creating stories, creating narratives. Narratives that what? That soothe the self. That motivate the self. That motivate the self to do what? To continue to write beautiful stories. Right. That motivate the self to do what? To continue to produce beautiful life. You create all of that.
1: Yeah. But what does it say if the stories I'm telling myself most of the day, like from the second my eyes open to the second they close, are not exactly (laughs) rom-coms?
2: Hire a different writer.
1: I need another writer. I need a team of writers.
2: Great. You have them inside of you. It's already inside of you. Get another part of you to write the story. That's what I'm saying. And you you have the control. You don't believe that. You don't believe that you have control over your narrative.
1: I believe it in principle. It's just, I don't feel it. And before we got on this show today, when we, you know, we were doing some breathing and this and that, for a moment there, I just had a snapshot of how little I am in control of <laughs> where my thoughts go, how difficult it can be for me to control that narrative and tell the story, right?
2: I don't want you to control the narrative or the story. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that. I want you to control sensation in the body the body is going to tell you the truth. It either feels good or it doesn't. Everything that we're doing is to help the body to feel a certain way. If it feels equanimous, then yes, you can sit down with the writer of your life and say, listen, bro, I need you to edit this. I need you to change this up. Okay. But if you're feeling anxious, it's a very challenging conversation to have. Yeah. Does that make I sense? feel that.
1: It does.
2: So I'm not asking you to go do a bunch of chitter-chatter in your head. I'm asking you to turn that off. Go silent. Silence. Educate yourself in the somatic experience. That's nonverbal communication. That's sensation. What type of aroma can be around you that helps you to be less anxious? What type of visuals can be around you to be less anxious? The sensations, the clothing, the what can we do consistently? That's why we stretch the hamstring. That's why we come in with mood lights and music and all of that
1: the peppermint oil before we practice that peppermint oil. I'm telling you that you're right. That those, there's things like that that just make you wake up. Right. Or they feel like waking up and like, I'd love if I could give myself cues like that. Right.
3: Do you believe you can do it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't know if you, if you could teach me, then yeah, I can do it.
2: (laughs) I know I can teach you. That's not my point. That's not the question. I have zero doubt that I can help you embody a sense of ease. I have zero doubt that I can help to teach you how to create upward arousal sensations and experiences in your body. I have zero doubt that I can, that I can teach you that. And I have zero doubt that you'll be able to learn. I have zero doubt. What do you believe?
1: I believe you, and then I, if I believe you, that means I believe I can do that. And that would change my life, I'm serious.
2: I love how you said that's going to change my life. I appreciate that. But we're going to stop because we're not going to build a beautiful house on bullshit foundation. All right. Me and you working together to change your life. That's a beautiful house. This foundation that you believe in me and don't believe in yourself. That's (laughs) never will I allow that. Never. I can't. No, I know. I know. We can't work that way. It's your story. Do you believe in the stories you're creating? You believe in the negative ones. That story is valid.
1: That one feels real. Yeah.
2: It feels real. Yes. Great. Do you believe you can create a different reality?
1: Yes, I do. Yes.
2: Let's try again. Do you believe you can create a different reality? Yes. Yes. That's it. Stop. That's it. The mantra is I'm creating a different reality. When you feel anxiety driven and the narrative is crazy and haunting and overwhelming and depressing, I'm creating a different reality. That's the mantra. Simple. And then the writer's like, no, no, I'm creating something else. Ed, this is what I'm creating. No, you veto. Listen, brother, listen. I'm creating another reality. That's it. Hmm.
1: And that's a conversation? I mean It's not a
2: conversation. It's not a debate. It's in your head. Quick. This is mantra work, affirmation. The affirmation is, I got this, I got this, I got this. I'm creating another reality. You don't allow other thoughts in.
1: Yeah. I need a mantra. <laughs>
3: I just gave you one. I'm going to use it. All the time. Yeah.
2: Now tell me why that's some BS, what I just did.
1: Because it's not something you can give me.
2: Yes. Thank you. Okay, now, we go, now we're Now cooking.
1: You almost had me. I, I, I realized I almost fell into a trap. How do you write a mantra?
2: Beautiful question. Okay, cool. Let's go for it. So what do you realize about yourself in this very moment?
1: I feel pretty vulnerable right now, I'll tell you that.
2: Stop. I feel vulnerable. Okay, good. So, I am vulnerable. Go ahead and say it.
3: I am vulnerable. Good. Own it. I'm vulnerable. Own it. Okay? Why is that a beautiful thing? Self-awareness. I am self-aware. Why is that a beautiful thing? You need to be self-aware, I
1: think, to connect with other people.
2: How'd that feel when you said that?
1: Like I was taking a bit of a risk. As the words came out of my mouth, I said, is that really what I think?
2: Yeah. Rationalization. Good. I'm a rationalizer. Now that's me giving you a mantra. Yeah. I'm a rationalizer.
1: I'm a rationalizer.
2: Great.
3: Why is that a beautiful thing?
1: Because I'm genuinely trying to make sense of things.
3: Mm. Pause. Pause.
2: On purpose. How does the audience feel right now as you create this story of being genuine? You run the whole internal universe called Ed. That's you. And right now, all this energy, you're moving it and you're pushing it and you're stimulating it towards a direction called I'm being genuine.
1: Well, it's important to me to feel that I'm being genuine, right? And to. Like my view of myself to feel that I'm being authentic and that I'm genuinely doing my best, and I and I do think I am. But every storyteller has a way of making themselves think that they're telling the truth in a way that other people aren't. So I'm just a little skeptical of my instinct that you know I'm just telling the truth, right? Um, Because that's storytelling too. So my first read on everything isn't the right one, and a lot of the stories I tell myself, and you know certainly the bad ones are kind of wrapped up in negative emotions. In other words, the stories that carry me away, right? The stories in my head that really carry me away aren't necessarily even fact-based, right? Or real.
2: Your definition of real is?
1: Based in reality. Like, you know, there's evidence for it.
2: There's evidence that your body is having a response when you have a certain thought?
1: Well, that, yeah.
2: That's it. The body is amazing. You're saying that's not reality?
1: No, in some ways it's really real. You're right. I mean, it is reality.
2: That's it. I get it. I'd love to be strategic. I love to step back and try to be very, very intellectual. And I also respect the fact that the body, whether it's irrational or not, is having a very, 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 very true and profound experience. And it is factual that that neuromodulator has triggered a sequence of events and now my heart is beating. That's a fact. It's a fact. Yeah. That's why I'm asking you to focus on sensation, not facts outside of your internal existence. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I hear you.
2: What do you hear me saying?
1: To focus on the sensations.
2: Not the narrative.
1: How about an intense situation? We all have that person or two that just sends your heart racing or irritates you.
2: I'm not worried about that person. I'm listening to my heartbeat. Interesting. Yeah, cause your question is what's happening in the moment. So I gave you my answer. The real thing that's happening is Esco's prepared. Esco woke up this morning and did his rituals. I don't have to be so reactive, so animalistic, so primal. I could be responsive. Why? Because I'm walking in there with an intuitive realization that I'm the audience. I'm the executive producer. I can literally write the lex line. I can literally say, "Okay, boom." Esco is in front of a wounded animal. This wounded animal is actually an innocent creature and could do very well with compassion. Esco, do you have enough psychic resources in you to provide compassion to this wounded animal that is trying to attack you in this very moment? That's my responsibility to show up prepared for any moment in my life.
1: See, right now, like where I am in this on the spectrum of self regulation, like if I focus, the entirety of my attention on breathing or on my heart or on whatever the case you know whatever physiological expression of whatever is going on is then i can i can slow it down i can control it like the superpower is doing that being able to do that a little more subconsciously while you're interacting with the world that to me is like that is a superpower that is i think separating me from my potential
2: so let's take a moment to really understand meditative practices at least from my perspective you have somebody seated on a meditation cushion or laying down and they're engaged in what might be considered a stereotypical meditation practice yes i am referring to that when we talk about visualization tapping into certain sensations in your body, like using your creative mental capabilities to have an experience. So yes, all that is meditation. I'm also referring to in the moment, in the moment, the ability to visualize what's happening to yourself in the moment as if it were a daydream. That's what I'm really referring to. So you're walking through your normal day as if it's a daydream. Because you're able to walk through this moment as if it is a daydream. It's cold, it's windy, it's raining on your face, but you see it as if it's a daydream. Can you separate body sensations from the cold, from the wind, from the snow on your face? Can you engage in that level of self-mastery? Can you recognize that you are literally creating mental impressions about how you're able to withstand the cold, how you're able to be resilient in challenging weather. You're creating that mental impression upon yourself. And because you're able to do that, do you have the ability to program this into your identity? I am the person who can be resilient in cold weather. I've conditioned myself to be resilient in challenging situations. I have the willpower to engage in deliberate practice of rewriting my self-concept, reprogramming myself, becoming calm in the middle of what might be a tense situation. But for me, it's a daydream and I can separate myself from that tense moment. That's the type of mental practice. That's the type of meditation practice that I'm referring to. So here's where the physical yoga practice and the energetic yoga practice, aka breathing techniques, is so important to see yourself adjust in the middle of something that might be physically exerting or powerful in terms of shifting your emotions and you watch yourself create this shift you're watching yourself in the daydream creating the daydream transforming in the daydream that you're creating that's the type of mental practice the type of meditative process that i want ed to experience that i want all of us to experience start on the mat. The mat is your laboratory. It's like a way to produce this capability of changing sensation, changing identity in the middle of exertion, but doing it deliberately. Start on your mat, breathe, stay focused, and then watch yourself have an easier time doing it in the middle of normal day life.
1: I guess what I'm really getting, it's not so much one person, it's that it's the people who came before me, right? I look at like, genetically, I'm from a kind of a high-strung bunch.
2: Oh, got you. That's a nice story to tell. Okay.
1: And basically I look at, you know, the two people uh, who are responsible for my existence and I, I think, you know, neither of them is very good at uh, elevating their default. And I wonder how much of that is like, just innate and I'm just going to, you know, this is kind of, you know, how, how, how high is my ceiling here?
2: So if you think one technique is going to save us in this very dynamic thing called the human endeavor, then that's the tribe that's extinct right now. That's the humanoid species that got extinct. They thought they can rely on a limited set of tools. And it was like, either I'm born with it or I'm not. And because I'm not born with it. Okay. Where's your dynamic Ability to modify and adjust and reposition and reframe and reshape.
1: It's like the ultimate story, right? And it just kind of reinforces itself and it just it grows tiresome. And at some point, it's just like enough is enough. What kind of strategies can we work on to just be a little more thoughtful, a little more efficient, a little bit more kind to yourself, whatever it is, right? What's your mantra? I guess my mantra is, I will support myself.
2: I am supporting myself, how about that?
1: Yeah, I like that.
2: When is that necessary? Or when is that a good time to apply this technique?
1: When the negative stories and ruminations are flooding in, right?
3: That's it, that's it. So
2: throughout the episode, We are exploring the power of mantras, positive affirmations, and how they work to frame our experience. The mantra awakens or has the power to awaken a certain persona, and that persona sees the situation from their perspective. So the question that we want to explore is, how are we amplifying the impact of the words that we speak? So we say something, whether we say it inside of our mind or we speak it out consciously or unconsciously, we speak out words. And what is happening to amplify the effect of those words? This is a higher level of awareness that I believe is very important we understand, because when we are in default, we actually have the capability to program automatic phrases that set us on a path towards success in that moment. So the question is, how are we using the impact of words to have an instantaneous impact on our subconscious experience? Look at it this way. The words are like the puppet master, potentially. The body is the puppet. Part of our psyche truly, truly believes every word that we tell it. Every story that we tell to certain parts of our psyche, it truly believes that story. And a lot of the words that we say literally embody our self-concept. We have a lot of control over our words. Let's use that to leverage our psyche and our self-concept. So I'll share my personal mantra. My mantra is I am living proof and once I say that, it automatically validates the story that I tell to myself about overcoming tragedy, about personal responsibility and mastery, no matter what the situation is. Looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, whatever happened, happened. It's OK. And now let me move forward. I'm living proof. The longer phrase is I am living proof that life is a guided meditation for the soul. So for me, when I say that to myself, it's based on the belief that I am a spiritual essence, having a human experience and all of it, every single second of it is truly amazing to my spiritual essence. So that's the power or that's what mantras mean to me. And by having a guiding mechanism, a Call of action to yourself, a North Star, that whispering voice, it allows you to see your boundaries real quick. It allows you to make decisions in alignment with your core self really quick. It helps you to find yourself when you sometimes feel lost. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do internal critic, become curious. That's it. Curious. What's an internal critique that you start to ruminate over.
1: Grow up and focus.
2: Now, here's what I want you to be curious about. Not whether it's true or false. I don't want you to be curious about that. You understand? I want you to be curious about the sensation. So you hear a voice. Ed, hey, grow up. You're being childish. Yeah. And you feel something.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you, what I feel, I think the locus of all my stress, anxiety, it all comes back to my sternum. Right in the middle of my chest. And then before I know it, my, my breath has shortened to like half-quarter breath.
2: Pause. And just watch. Just be the audience. Don't be the producer. Don't try to fix it. Don't be the writer. Don't edit it. Just be the audience. It's a fascinating show. Just let the show go. It's a beautiful production. Just watch. I do that all day long. I do it all day long. I'll have a thought. The thought will make me tense simply because there's three options and I have to like tense up just to like calculate. I refuse to calculate when I'm tense in my body. I will pause. It'll take 10 seconds maybe. It could take a minute, but I'm not calculating with tension in my body. Why? Because it's deliberate practice. So in the middle of an explosion, that I'm not prepared for, my elevated default automatically goes into this pause kind of deal. Not freeze, not shock, just pause, not even analyzing, just watching. So when I do it while I'm walking in the park with the sun on my face and nature all around me, and I'm walking at a certain tempo and I'm feeling my body move and I'm out, you know, when I do it there, it's deliberate practice, elevating the default. So I'm prepared.
1: I just, I, I'm struck by what you said. So in other words, like, you're not going to make a decision as long as you're physically in that state, like a, a meaningful decision. Is that, is that what you mean?
2: Yes. This is my responsibility. This is self-mastery. Me being a master of self is to always, in all situations, take on the responsibility of watching how a specific emotional impulse is impacting my consciousness all the time. Watch it, watch how it impacts your nervous system and allow all parts of you to experience that. always remaining whole, always remaining integrated. If we allow ourselves to create this idea that this emotion is attached to this sensation, then yeah, we integrated it, and the emotion is powerful, and it's hard to undo that. No question. It's hard to undo the label. Curiosity allows us to always question, Is that the right label? Is it really anxiety? Is it really frustration? Is it really sadness? Is it really disappointment? Or is it, wow, I'm just more alert. I'm more focused. I'm more driven. I'm more motivated. I'm more determined. I'm more passionate. Again, future, not past. Remain curious. What do you hear me saying?
1: You got to play the long game with this one. This is the kind of thing, if you can really get right, then it seems to be uh, pretty limitless in what it can give you. So we better get
2: to work. Me talking you into that or even this podcast is not going to be enough. If we're not practicing and altering on a physical level, on a somatic level, an an organism, a reorganization of this organism that we are, if we're not doing that, it's like planting seeds in very loose, shallow soil. It's not deep. That's what I'm saying. How you feel?
1: I feel
3: good right now. I'm
2: present. Awesome. So throughout the podcast show, I always learn something new. I get a chance to see things in a new way. So here are major takeaways from today's episode. Yoga specifically can really help you program a certain level of resiliency and awareness of your body recovering so that you know that you can adapt to stress on your mat in practice and you can enhance that practice make that practice more powerful and strong so that you know you are more resilient in your nervous system and there's a moment where Ed talks about being in the middle of the battle and having willpower and trying to be strong so that he can switch the narrative in his mind he can switch the sensations in his body. We want to do that in practice. We want to learn how to do that away from the situation so that when we show up to the situation, we're already deep in practice. It's already something that's, that's that we're remembering. It's already encoded in us. So that's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two, the difference between being disappointed with somebody and deciding that you want to create boundaries versus being judgmental and criticizing that person. One is connected to core values. So this person in front of me is violating my core values. That's something that I'm not gonna have. So I build a boundary. On the other end, this person is rubbing me the wrong way so much. My reactions are so strong. I can't sustain my higher levels of thinking and I'm judgmental and I'm highly critical of this person. There is a threshold in the nervous system where your experience switches from, I have values and I'm going to honor my values. It could be that, or it is, I really can't be around this person. This person's toxic for me. I am unable to exist around this type of energy. Key takeaway is to notice that threshold, notice where it shifts from. I'm making decisions from values or I'm making decisions from highly toxic emotions. Takeaway number three. Think about this conversation of mantras. And we talked a lot about powerful phrasing. It has a lot of meaning. Think a mother singing a lullaby to a child. The child might not understand any of the words, but the vibration, the connection, the warmth... Is what the true message is all about. That's what's really being delivered to the child. Allow at least 90% of your mantra to have that heartfelt connection, that motherly touch, connectivity, that type of integration in your somatic experience. Takeaway number four become very curious about your capability to watch your internal critic scream and yell and say the craziest thoughts, and notice how you feel about this voice inside your mind. When you begin to laugh at it, you're starting to elevate your default. Core mantras, like core values, like deeply rooted core principles that awaken core personas inside of you versus more periphery that are very powerful, they're valid, they're not on the top of the hierarchy. When it comes to fulfilling most of your self-concept, meaning you say this mantra, it might fit in a very specific, nuanced moment. It's very powerful. It's further away from the core of your deep essence of your self-concept. And in order to stay close to yourself, you might have one or two or three core mantras that really awaken most of who you are. So, the final takeaway, and this might be the most important one, is I feel it's my responsibility to watch myself having specific emotional impulses and witnessing how my consciousness is impacted by these impulses. And my responsibility is to be aware of this impact all of the time. That means I have to know I'm having an emotional impulse, I'm watching the domino effect on how I think and how I experience my reality. This is critical. I think the opportunities are limitless for peak performance. I also acknowledge it's very challenging to weave this whole thing together in any specific moment, especially highly impactful, explosive, powerful moments. It is hard to weave all that together in a very small amount of time. How powerful is your meditation practice? Does it create a multi-sensory experience to really let you dive in? to really let you understand how your mind is working in your nervous system, all throughout your body. How are you creating an altered reality on purpose that truly awakens something deep inside that is truly capable of manifesting the life you truly want? I am Esco Wilson, and you've been listening to The Self-Awakened Lifestyle. You can find out more about me at the selfawakenedlifestyle.com. I'd like to thank Ed for coming to the show today. The Self-Awakened Lifestyle is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes shows like Soul Savvy Business and Just Between Coaches. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Melissa Deal assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. So you don't miss upcoming episodes, please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.